Two best friends embark on a canoe trip. One is tall and broad, a gentle giant. The other is savvy and scrappy. Both are lovers of literature, rugged outdoorsmen, and they are trained to survive. When an overheard argument and an impending wildfire turn into raging terrors, they must lean on each other in order to exit the river alive. Peter Heller tells the tale with heart-pounding speed and lush detail in this summer's hit wilderness mystery, The River. Welcome to He Read, She Read, the podcast where a couple of married bookworms discuss what they're reading and learning. Today we're discussing our June buddy read, The River, by Peter Heller. I'm Curtis. And I'm Chelsea. Before we launch into our discussion, we wanted to give a few updates about the future of the podcast. Don't worry, we aren't going anywhere, but we do have to make a few changes in order to accommodate our personal schedules. So first, um, we're maintaining our two episodes per month schedule that we started back in April. So our episodes are going to release the second and the last weeks of each month instead of every single week. One episode will obviously be our buddy read at the end of the month, and then the other one will most likely be centered around book recommendations because those are our favorite to record. Those seem to be listener favorites. So we're excited to launch a slightly different format, and by going to two episodes per month, we can maintain the quality of the show while other things go on in our lives, like new jobs. We promise to record bonus episodes now and then when our schedules allow for it. We also made some changes to our Patreon page. We're still releasing our monthly reading wrap-up episodes every month there, along with our newsletter, extra book recommendations, and behind-the-scenes info, but now all of that is offered on one tier for just $3 per month. So we have all of our bonus content available on Patreon for $3 per month. So if two episodes per month isn't enough to fill your to-be-read list, you can sign up to become a patron. For the sake of transparency, we like to share where your Patreon money goes. It doesn't pay our bills or anything. We both have day jobs, uh, but it does cover the cost of our RSS feed, which is like a podcast cloud, and it helps us purchase buddy read books, fun giveaways, or buy new equipment when we need it. Sometimes Chelsea gets herself a latte while editing our episodes. To sign up for Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash hereadshereread. Thank you, patrons, for supporting the show. So let's start with our general thoughts about the book. Did you like it? Did you not like it? What did you think of The River? Generally, I liked it. I liked the pace, most of all. I like Peter Heller's style and the way he has this overarching threat of you know, the wildfire and this other things going on and then finds a way to slowly build into the action. But then when the action hits, it's the like a typical thriller for the last probably 100 pages. So the, I, I enjoyed the buildup with the characters and the flashbacks and getting to know Wynn and Jack, but I liked it most when they're in this survival situation and then have to deal with the previously identified threat of the fire and then all the other stuff that happens. So... Did you feel like it met your expectations for what it was going to be? I don't know. Um, I'd heard a little bit of the buzz, and you were talking about it as like one of the books of the summer. To me, it reads like a summer thriller that you just take to the beach and do that sort of stuff. Um, but I didn't really have a lot of expectations. How about you? Yeah, I tried not to go into it with too many expectations. I knew that it would be 
a mystery in some way, but that it's a little bit more literary. Um, And so I really liked that. I definitely found myself distracted by Peter Heller's writing and the craft of the novel. So I was more caught up in analysis rather than getting swept away in the story or falling in love with the characters, which is not a bad reading experience. I actually really like when a book does that for my brain. Um, And that might have been the first thing that I've read since finishing up my master's degree where I was actually able to enjoy analyzing a book. Right, and thinking thinking critically. Yeah, without feeling like it was for school or extra work. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I didn't love it. It's not going to be like my favorite book of the summer, I don't think. But I'm glad that I read it and I did enjoy it. Yeah. Let's talk about the main characters are Jack and Wynn. And they're two college buddies and they've set out on this canoeing adventure. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on them. So immediately you're kind of thrust in with Wynn is the tall one, Jack is the short one, and really that's the only way you can differentiate them for a while. I know you had their physical descriptions. I don't know you had a little bit of confusion with like who was talking and going back and forth with this. A good comparison for me with just the, what we learn about them is they're like Sam and Dean Winchester for me from Supernatural. Do tell. <laughs> um, so because Wynn is this tall, lovable, heart of gold guy that likes to see the good and everything, has a really sweet relationship with his sister and an idealistic, little bit privileged background and then is able to see the world in that way. Jack is more of a rough and scrappy guy who had his mom die in an accident when he was a kid and that has really affected his upbringing and the way that he sees the world because he's a little bit more suspicious and a little more aggressive. And he was raised like on a ranch too. So in I think California, that's part of it yeah. is that he's more of like that tough rancher background. Yeah. So if anybody else watches Supernatural, it's like exactly the same concept. Like um Dean is the older, more rough and ruthless type. So he's more like Jack. And then Sam is like this lovable, taller one that just likes to see the good in everything. And that's like when. So to me, it, there's that little bit of naivete between the two of them. Like they're both idealistic college kids who are going to buck trends and go out in nature without GPS, without phones, and just embed themselves. I think you the word you wanted to use was romantic. Yeah, they so they talk a lot about the transcendentalist period of American literature and those are the writers that they love. So they talk about Thoreau going out into nature and living on his pond and they bring up a lot of Whitman poetry and they're really drawn to that classic American transcendentalism of being one with nature and sort of finding their identity without that outer influence of phones and modern conveniences Mm -hmm. and that's how they bond is over the literature that they're being taught in their classes and so we see that that very obviously shapes their personalities for better or for worse yeah and they both like to fish and survive and live off the land yeah so they're romantic in the american literature sense of the word not like the lovey-dovey sense But overall, that's the best comparison that I came up with is because they have a very sibling relationship. They love each other. They've bonded, like, 
even though they've only known each other for a short period of time since they started college, they're so connected and they enjoy the same things. And the thing that overarches and brings them both together is nature and their love of reading, which I liked. I didn't enjoy that they would tear pages out of their favorite books to save I space. knew that you would bring that up when I read that passage. I hated I like, that. Curtis is going to cringe. I hated that so much. and like I cringed at that and I cringed at the bourbon choice just because I feel like they, with a little bit of the sophistication, they could have gone for a nicer scotch. But that's just me. Guys, bougie. It, say, it, it's not bougie to enjoy a nice bottle of scotch. A little, a little bit. Okay, fine. Um, so do we think maybe they're like juniors in college? Yeah. Their age is never stated, I no, don't think. No, but I think they mentioned at the end that um, they were going to be going back to school, so they haven't graduated. The, to me, this seems like a sophomore, junior year excursion where you're you know, getting away from everything and just being on your own. I had to remind myself of their youth several times throughout the book because it would be easy to get annoyed with them for not bringing a phone. <laughs> but they have that invincibility that comes from not having a fully developed frontal cortex, <laughs> which studies show is not fully developed until you're, well, like at least past 30. So mm-hmm. they are, they're still functioning a little bit like, old teenagers like they're young they've got that idealistic youthful sense of the world where they they think that they're invincible really and so they don't have a phone they get caught up in this situation because they want to be heroes like the books and the westerns that they read and i think that they've got a little bit of that hero complex Uh, totally and i agree the thing with jack is because he's a little bit more practical so I would have expected him to have stashed like maybe a satellite phone or at least a GPS watch or something because he's got this tendency to see things as they are, uh, not in the idealistic sense. So he just is a quick judge of character and able to practically apply his knowledge. Um, something that Wynn describes him later on is he's, uh, Jack is able to judge a man's character in two seconds at 200 yards. So he has this innate ability to just see a situation and know the right thing to do so yeah when they're presented with this problem they want to help and win is very much this person that just wants to save people and help and like jack's a little bit more practical so in that sense i kind of had this expectation that jack would have had something up his sleeve being like oh yeah we've got the satellite phone stashed away just in case he just like wanted win to have his romantic notion but all along he, he was, was planning yeah Yeah, I could have seen that. But of course, that would have completely disrupted the plot. It wouldn't have made sense. So we'll move on to plot in a second. I just, one of the things that made me like and not love this book was that I sometimes found Wynne and Jack indistinguishable from one another. Aside from the fact of their height difference, aside from the fact that in situations when we saw them acting, it was easy to tell which was which because like you said, Jack is the more practical. He's the more like action-based, instinctive, ruthless one. And Wynn is more cautious, careful. He's the gentle giant. He's He's sweet. He's he's a puppy. Yeah. And Jack (laughs) says that and Wynn's like, that felt like a slap across the face. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be like that. Yeah. But he kind of next to Jack. That's how the balance turns out, which you have to have that contrast to get along. Two Jacks would not work in a relationship. No canoeing on the river you have to have that balance of soft and hard you need a win but when we got passages of their inner thoughts i sometimes had to go back and say okay wait which name did peter heller mention three paragraphs ago because i kind of 
would get sidetracked and couldn't necessarily distinguish them from one another because their their personal thoughts were often very similar. Yeah, I, I feel like the easier connection was that Jack just seems to be more socially, well, not awkward, but he has this nature of always thinking about his mother's death mm-hmm. and like the damage that that has done to him. So a little bit of the PTSD and he just seems to be more, I don't want to say damaged, but he doesn't have an idealistic look at the he's world. He's experienced yeah. and he's maybe a little bit more grown up than when. Just because of his circumstances. Yeah. I'd agree with that. So when you were reading um, passages like with Jack, we're getting background on his mother's death and how he reacted to all that stuff. With Wynn, we're getting stories of, you know, going to parties and people not or, or making fun of him because he doesn't know what eggs Benedict are. So there's that contrast. And I could see that permeating when we're going in the background between the two of them. Mm-hmm. A lot of Wynn's conflict is in a, this Northeastern privilege context where he just wants to go outside and be one with nature. And Jack is dealing with a lot of the pain and anguish that accompanied his childhood. Mm-hmm. So that's, I felt like that made itself aware with me when I was reading with both of their, inside their thoughts. Um, but yeah, in a lot of ways, they're very similar too. Yeah. So despite the fact that they're fairly likable in that they are being heroes. They're nice to each other. It's a really sweet friendship between the two of them. I had a really hard time emotionally connecting with them. And I'm not sure what that was. because you don't watch Supernatural. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't picture them as my favorite TV show characters. Um, I think I was just so much more focused on the craft of the book that I didn't, I didn't get emotionally attached to them. Yeah. But a character is the river. I felt like I was so swept away in the nature of it all. And nature is a character in this novel. Yeah. The fire and all of that that happens to them nature-wise, like that is a character operating in the book. And I felt like I was more drawn to that aspect than them. Agreed. I think maybe it's just the way that Peter Heller describes nature. Like he has a lot of so good. animals that he brings up. Like, did you like the part with the moose? Of course. So we, we need to tell the story is when we were honeymooning in Wyoming. The Grand um, Teton Mountains. We, uh, I went outside on our porch of our cabin one morning and to grab my boots that I had left out there to dry out from our hike the previous day. And about, I looked up after reaching down and about five feet in front of my face was a bull moose. And I'm just leaning back at Chelsea. <laughs> Come here. Come here. <laughs> I thought something was wrong. So I ran over and yeah, there was a moose practically on our porch. He actually did come onto the porch after that. Yeah. Like we went back inside and then we went back out to see him. And we he was also making noise. So like every time we went in the cabin, we would hear like, <laughs> and then we'd go out and he'd get quiet again. And he's just standing there like, be my friend. So the exact opposite of <laughs> what Peter Heller describes, because he's saying that there's this moose in the river that looks like it's never seen a human before. And they're cautious. Yeah. These moose are dangerous. Yeah, because they're very territorial and protective. We called ours Marcel. Yeah, Marcel was harm- harmless. He, what, he, I guess, according to the legend of the cabins, he was born in that area. So he was kind of like raised around humans and was used to people, obviously, because he hung out by our cabin for the rest of the week that we were there. But um, yeah, I I definitely, I feel like maybe I was more drawn to nature as a character than I was to any of the people. Yeah. And the side characters, like we get no information on them other than Pierre and Maya are married. 
we know that the spoiler two- pierre attempted to kill or at least seriously injure maya and he leaves he's a jerk but he doesn't have the best wilderness skills um we learn a little bit about maya and what she does but like she's half conscious the whole entire time like she's just she's really just a plot device she's not really a character which is unfortunate but i mean yeah it would have been fun to kind of get a different voice in the story um but yeah she really isn't a character she's really just a plot device which i tend to be annoyed when that happens especially with female characters when they're just used for plot and there's not really much substance there Mm -hmm. But I don't know how he would have made it work to have her as more of a standout character. The focus really had to be on Jack and Wynn. Mm-hmm. Who are really the only two main characters that we get invested in, other than the river and nature, yeah. like we talked about previously. Because Pierre is more of a plot device as well, just this threat that they have to deal with, in addition to the fire. And then the same with the two Texans that are drunk and just going around on the boat. They're just more threats that they have to deal with. Yeah. So we're getting into plot now. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. It felt like it definitely took about 100 pages to get to the like heart-pounding, page-turning thriller part of the book. Because Which is not bad. No, but we start out with them on the river, like having this sense that there's something wrong and then they climb a tree and see that there's this wildfire so right away peter heller is having this threat that they're eventually gonna have to deal with and then we come across pierre who uh they had heard arguing with an unknown female character when they were on the boat um and didn't stop to intervene even though win wanted to because he's got that hero complex and just wants to and isn't it funny like if they would have stopped right then and they would have gone back like jack was worried about the fire again those choices that the plot moves based on every choice that they make Mm -hmm. and they have to make quick split second choices because nature doesn't wait for you so they bypass the couple originally come across the two guys in the motorboat that are you know just drinking bourbon and getting drunk and they're like hey you gotta get out of there for the fire and then in their camp the next day or one of the the pierre comes up and says hey my wife wandered off or i can't find her i don't really know what i'm doing here can you guys go Mm -hmm. and try to find her so jack responds like i would expect like he's got an air of suspicion doesn't really his hackles are up he doesn't trust the guy no so he grabs some supplies grabs the rifle that they have and gets in the boat and then they go to look for maya who they eventually find, but it doesn't really add up that mm-hmm. she just got lost. It looks like there's signs of struggle and like her arm got popped out by a human. So then they get back to where they left their stuff with Pierre and it's all in the river and gone and dumped. So, and I think that's probably the moment that you go, oh crap. Because they still have about, about to go down. Because they've got about 10 days to get back to civilization. Yes. No food. Still got the fire to deal with. And now they got to save this girl who's got, you know, hypothermia. Yeah. So the conflict moves from, you think it's going to be man versus man, where they come across this guy, they are on a little rescue mission, they're worried about him. But then the plot makes significant shift to man versus nature when the fire creeps up on them. And that was maybe my favorite part of the book. Was well, well, also because the they don't have... harrowing part of the fire basically catching up with them yeah well the fire the rapids and the fact that they don't have food Mm -hmm. is all this that man versus nature trifecta that i feel like in that sweet spot center of the book was the most compelling action 
where they were, you know, mashing up blueberries and trying to keep Maya alive and then battling the river and the fire. So all that stuff was the most compelling part for me. Agreed. Yeah, I was more of a fan of that. I would have just read a book about them surviving the fire on the river, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. Um, because the extra human part of the mystery did add to the stakes. But I guess I found myself, maybe especially because we didn't get Maya as a fleshed out character, I found myself not being able to care about that as much. Right. Which sounds horrible. I mean, she's more of just a damsel in the situation yeah. where like you know they've read the louis lamours and westerns where they just got to ride into town kill the bad guys save Rescue the girl the dame. yeah so that's what they got to do yeah um but then i feel like that's win's perspective the whole time because he's the one being more caring and wanting to take care of maya and jack is just always on edge with like oh pierre could be around any corner with a shotgun trying to kill mm-hmm. us um and he's always on guard got the rifle and just looking around so in that situation, like, I see a little bit of, I don't say I see myself in Jack, but I have a little bit more of a practical side like that where if any time I'm out in the woods or not in that context, you're always just on edge and looking to see where your threats are coming from. Yeah, you're definitely an observer yeah. where you want to be aware of your surroundings. And I appreciate being with you because I like to just be in my head, like, bopping around, do 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 yeah, I, I liked the plot of the book in that it's a short book. Um, it packs a punch. It is bingeable if you can get through 75 pages that are a little bit slower, which I liked that first 75 pages where we just get them on the river. It was really relaxing. It's a soothing read up until that point. And you do get a sense of foreboding and foreshadowing in those pages. Mm-hmm. It's just that there's not a lot of big stuff that happens. So really, if you can get... To page 75, the rest is a super bingeable read. Mm -hmm. I I liked his style and the pace of it, where he's got some short sentences, but doesn't, it still packs a lot of descriptive words. And you can get this picture of these guys in the canoe on the river just from the short sentences that he uses. And I liked the line breaks that he used with all the new dialogue. Mm -hmm. So it's, I don't know how you would really describe it, but anytime there's quotations and descriptions, it's always a new paragraph. And it, it's abnormal for me. I didn't, hadn't read a book that's kind of outlined like this, but I liked it. Yeah, I liked the format too. I loved the writing style. My favorite kind of writing is simple prose that is also beautiful. So when someone can use few words in order to make a big impact, that's what I love. I don't like super flowery over the top kind of writing um which sometimes you get with literary fiction like this but the short simple prose i really liked loved the nature descriptions i thought the pacing was good and yeah i agree with you it unfortunately it's podcast we can't like show the format of the book but you get fairly short chapters and then within the chapters it is short chunks of writing so somewhat like vignettes where you get like sometimes he'll just describe a scene in a paragraph and then the next paragraph you get some dialogue and then the next paragraph you get some inner thoughts from one of the characters um and that did make it very readable so i'm all about literary fiction that can be deep and like this book presents some really good questions about humanity about our relationship with nature about friendship poses really great deep questions that would be great for a book club to discuss 
but it's super readable and accessible, I think. Agreed. But I think it could very easily enter classic status alongside the likes of Jack London in terms of like survival nature literature. Yeah. And then also a look into man's capacity for violence Mm -hmm. or how decisions that you make impact beyond what your immediate circumstances are. If you read Jack London and loved it as a kid, like this is the book for you for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the ending? Yeah. Um, Do you feel like it was a little abrupt or how did you react um, when Wynne got killed? I wasn't surprised when Wynne got killed. Were you expecting him or just one of them to die? I knew someone was going to die. Because Maya foreshadowed it. And then while we get this major foreshadowing, um, Jack is fishing in the river and he's talking about all the songs. Or no, Wynne's fishing in the river and he's talking about all the songs that Jack Jack likes. Yeah. Um, Only the Good Die Young, all of these songs about dying young and cheating death. And so that makes it very clear that one of them is going to die. Um, I didn't feel super emotional about Wynn's death because we moved on from it so quickly. Mm -hmm. Like there was no dwelling in the sadness of his death. He, Jack drags him onto the boat, he dies on the boat, but it like, barrels into the conclusion and we don't really get that catharsis of mourning we do get a little bit of an epilogue where jack is mourning and we see how sad he is and we see how his life has been affected by this but there wasn't really breathing room for sadness no because he doesn't allow himself to have that breathing room because he's also reacting making sure that he can get out of there alive right so i feel like as soon as they come across Maya and realize that Pierre tried to kill her, that this just becomes a giant look at these two boys and their capacity for violence, how they're going to make decisions. And it turns out that Jack is the more ruthless one, wants to get out of the situation, and really he has the ability to be a killer. Like, he is, like, stalking and looking for Pierre and like had actually had a shot on him so it i think this is a deep dive into decision making and how your decisions affect other people and not just yourself and then also man's capacity for violence and how that can affect you down the line because he's already got a bunch of ptsd dealing with his mother's passing and now with win's death on top of that i feel like it a looking at jack he's just gonna become one of those guys that's a hermit and lives on his own and just separates himself from society. I would be hopeful that he would not do that and reach out more to Wynn's family. I like how he visited Wynn's mom and sister and told them the story and how they received him with open arms. I thought it was really sweet. I thought that the ending of the book, even though you don't necessarily get the emotional catharsis or all of the details that you want at the end, I felt like it was pretty true to life. Yeah. Um, it's not wrapped up in a bow. Um, you are kind of left wondering what's going to happen with Jack. Um, you're kind of stuck in this limbo that he's stuck in where you can't stop thinking about what happened on the river, but you can't really, you're not looking forward. It's just like kind of stuck. No. And one of the last like descriptions that he has in one of his internal monologues is in his heart, he was still on the river, so he can't get past it. He's still thinking about, all the decisions that they made to save Maya, but then how it ended up with his friend getting killed. And then the second guessing and 
the choices that he made, how that impacted other people. So, you know, he got Maya out of there alive, which was their goal, but that it had some costs. So I feel like it's a classic case of he's just going to have to find ways to put this past him, but I don't think he can because the last scene we get in the book is he's got this canoe that Wynn had whittled and was trying to put it in the river and make it go, but it wouldn't go anywhere. So I feel like that's just Peter Heller saying that Jack won't be able to let this go and it's just going to fester and something that's going to stay with him. Maybe. If you had to formulate a thesis statement for this book, what would you say is like the thesis of the book? I think it's just trying to show how these young idealistic people from different walks of life that share a bond, how they can be so different and then how extraordinary circumstances can affect different people. Because, you know, we talked about it already. Wynn and Jack are very similar people. They love nature. They love to read. They're kind of these idealistic college kids. But when they're thrust into these extraordinary circumstances, they both react very differently. And then kind of, if you take that situation on like you want to if you want to be a hero or if you want to save people it it has a cost like it doesn't come free is Mm. the way way that i look at it so they had this idealistic view of the world like we're going to be one with nature we're going to go out and do these things and they had this views from literature where you know damsels in distress we're just going to be the saviors and then that has cost So decisions that they made about how they were going to go about it has costs in the end, is the way that I look at it. I think a thesis of the book might be something about how um, man and nature and the unpredictability in both instances aren't that different. We think of nature as this outside force that's largely unpredictable and uncontrollable, and we have to fight against it. Um... But I think the book shows that sometimes that comes from your fellow man as well. And you're fighting forces within yourself in order to make the right decision. You're fighting forces within other people when they're opposed to you. And that, that the whole conflict of man versus nature versus man versus man is maybe sort of all the same thing. That there are just these forces that we're working against in either instance. I like that. Like the nature aspect is more apparent because he leads off with, you know, they've got this fire to deal with and surviving the river. But then it, it comes down to their relationships and choices and how other people react to those. Mm-hmm. That is the source of the main conflict. Yeah. So would you continue reading Peter Heller's works? He has a few other books, Dog Days, I think Celine maybe is another one. He has a few other books. Um, I don't think I would like his nonfiction books that are about surfing. Me neither. <laughs> but it explains why he's got such, you know, good descriptions of nature because he's an outdoors person and lives in Colorado and that type of stuff. I might read Dog Stars because I've heard that that's well received yeah i like his style like if this if his other books are similar in this style i would like it but i'm not rushing out to get by the next peter heller book that i can like i liked it it's probably one of the better books i'm gonna read this summer um but it's not something that i'm gonna rush out and grab his next one same like i liked it enough to try another 
piece of his work, but there's just so much else that I want to read. And I don't know, it might be a few years before I pick up something else by him. I will say I will probably never get in a canoe and not think about this book. (laughs) I was also, so the other day I took a water rowing class which if people have used the rowing machines at the gym, it's essentially that. It's just that the machine is powered by water. So you get a much smoother rowing, I I don't know, much smoother rowing experience. Resistance. Yeah. And it feels a little bit more like you're actually rowing through water. So as we're doing this and the instructor's having us like increase cardio and keep going, whatever, I had just finished this book and all I could think about was like, Boy, if you imagine a wildfire on your tail, it makes your rowing class much more intense. <laughs> so. Well, the descriptions of rowing that he had just reminded me of Sea Stories by William McRaven. Yeah. Because uh, I had just finished that prior to this book. So like when you're in SEAL training and going over these boats and like Zodiacs over waves and stuff, the descriptions of people that have been through that stuff, it's very similar to this. So it, I like the authenticity. I like the way that he sees nature and can describe it. Um, but I'm not in a rush to go read some more Peter Heller. So, uh, what other books either that you've read or that you have heard of, um, do you think if someone liked the river, what should they read next? I don't know about that, but I, the exercise that I liked to think of was what books would win and say, win in, yeah, see, I just did the same thing, <laughs> would win and Jack like to read. Um, so I immediately thought of endurance which is the shackleton's incredible voyage i've talked about previously by alfred lansing so i think they would like those stories of survival and expeditions and adventure um, going out into nature and trying to like man versus nature stories Um, but i also thought of tim o'brien's the things they carried because short sentences very descriptive but also a lot of detail about people um, by the things that they have in their rucksacks. So like this, one of the first pages that you showed me from this book was when they were taking inventory of all of their stuff after Peter yes. had dumped their stuff out. <laughs> their supply list. Um, that was when I was like, oh, Curtis might like this. Yeah, and it's like, oh, we had uh, two Aqualoft down sleeping bags, uh, two Gore-Tex rain jackets, one magnifying glass, one Ziploc full of rolled oats, one Savage 308 lever action rifle with a loophole 4 to 12 scope. So... That sort of stuff just reminded me of the things they carried because, you know, they talk about everything that these Vietnam soldiers have in their rucksacks according to, like, standard procedures and then other stuff. So, like, love letters and other things like that. So I think that's a twofer. Like, if you like the river, I think you would like the things they carried. But I also think that Win and Jack would have raved about Tim O'Brien. Oh, I agree with that. And I, I really like the things they carried. I think that's a great book. And also shows friendship and relationships in tough circumstances and survival instances too. Um, Tim O'Brien has another really good book in the Lake of the Woods, which Mm -hmm. is more mystery. So if you like that more literary mystery aspect of the river in the Lake of the Woods might be a good one too. That's a good one. Um, Another book that I thought of, if you liked the river, you might like Castle of Water by Dane Hucklebridge. This is a literary survival story. It's about two people who are stuck on a deserted island. It's very summery because, of course, you've got the island descriptions. Um, I personally liked The River better than Castle of Water. I read Castle of Water a couple summers ago. But I think if you loved The River, it would be good to try 
Castle of Water. It's a little bit more like flowery, like the kind of literary that leans toward pretentious that I don't love. <laughs> but if you look up Dane Hucklebridge, you'll be like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> The man never takes his bow tie off, I swear. But anyway, um, sorry, that was very judgy, but I stand by it. Um, But I think that one would be a good one to pick up if you really liked The River and you want something similar. Um, Something else that I thought of, um, I'm trying to find the name of the book, um, but Serial Season 2, we listened to, like, I listened to it again relatively recently with Bo Bergdahl. And a lot of... The stuff that Wynn and Jack were going through where, you know, smoking pipes, having this sense of adventure reminded me a lot of Bo Bergdahl. Being young and stupid. Yeah. And idealistic and thinking that you can make a choice that's going to save the world or save the people that you're with. Because if you read into Bo Bergdahl's story, there's a lot of that where he has this savior complex and sense of adventure where he's just going to go off his OP in Afghanistan and (laughs) do things that he shouldn't be doing. Um, But... A book that just came out uh, relatively recently is American Cipher, which investigative journalist piece going into his capture and incarceration with the Taliban and then his homecoming and stuff like that. So I haven't read that yet, um, but just based on the fact of what I know about Bo Bergdahl and his story, if you like that aspect of the river with these younger guys that are having the sense of adventure and going out into the world um, and trying to essentially try to make decisions and save the world and it doesn't always work out yeah I'd, I'd say read that good recommendations let's do recommendations of the week you can go first okay um i would like to recommend fleabag on amazon fantastic show yeah and i think we kind of randomly picked it I think we heard about it on the Popcast in one yes. of our green lights. And Knox and Jamie said, just watch season two. But I would like to say I really enjoyed season one as well. And I liked watching season one and watching the character arc to season two. If you're short on time, season two is fine, standalone. But I really loved both season one and two. Two is impeccable oh. and amazing. But... Yeah, such a great show. Amazing writing. It's short, which I love a good, super well-written, smart half-hour show. Mm-hmm. That is my favorite. So Well, and characterized by a lot of fourth wall breaks and quick flashbacks. Yes. So I liked the way that it jumps around to tell its story, but very well done. What would you like to recommend? Um, so I had to check it because it's not The Bodyguard with... Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston. (laughs) It is Bodyguard um, with Rob Stark. Richard Madden. They always do that. Um, (laughs) But it's on Netflix. I feel like this has been, you know, on a lot of people's top lists for the past couple of months, and we're finally getting around to it. He's an Afghan war veteran, police officer, protective service person um, who has to protect a minister of defense or something in the British government that he doesn't really like. And then conflict ensues. It's really good. It's very good. Um, and we're on like episode three and I'm liking the ride so far. If people have watched Jack Ryan and they liked that, I think Bodyguard is a good comp. Yep. Um, I think that's it. I agree. Our buddy read for next month, if you are reading along with us, is Bluebird, Bluebird by Attica Locke. That's another mystery. We like to read a lot of mystery In over summer, so <laughs> that's just the way that it is. Um, you can connect with us via social media or email. 
On Twitter and Instagram is where we make most of our announcements and post updates. We're at he read, she read. And our email is he read, she read podcast at gmail.com. You can also sign on as a Patreon at patreon.com slash he read, she read for news, updates, and bonus content. Thank you all for listening. And remember, the couple that reads together doesn't have to go camping together. <laughs> but only if they want to. Yeah, but you can read about it and then you don't have to put up with the mosquitoes and the allergies and sleeping outside.